Hello, everyone. This is The Truth of the Matter Is. I am your host, Daniel, and I am here with Jonathan. We're back for episode number 72. I'd like to say on behalf of myself and, of course, Jonathan as well, that we appreciate you for tuning in today. Now, before we get started, let's give a round of applause to all who decided to listen in today. Now, of course, this could be episode one in your book or episode 72 as a long-time listener. Once again, we would like to say we thank you, and we hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So before we get started, how are you doing, Daniel? How's how's everything? It's been a very tiring week. A lot of hard work that's went into this week, but a good week nonetheless. How are you today? Doing okay had some interesting things happen this week one of those things happened to me was online grocery store and as i was standing online this older lady just came walked right in front of me and got on the line now my youthful days i probably would have said hey what are you doing so i just let her go i didn't bother to say anything else you know i figured in that instance it's okay so I would say as I've gotten older and matured, there are certain things that I don't put any emphasis on making noise about. So I'll just allow it to happen because it's not a big deal. So, I mean, other than that, this week, things have been okay. What about you? Anything interesting happened when you was outside this week? Uh, I wanted you to expand on that last part. Um, what exactly was the situation? No, nah, I was it's pretty much exactly what I said. I was standing online at the grocery store and it was my turn up to go to the register and this older woman just walked right in front of me, started putting herself her stuff there, right there on the line. So thought about it quickly and I said, you know what? It's okay. She can have it. And I was up next, so I just waited. I was rather kind of you. Um, I can't think of anything in particular that's happened this week that was like. Mm-hmm. I, su- uh, I was going to say, I suppose I bring it up. I suppose yeah. I bring it up is because sometimes when things are happening in front of us, a lot of us, you know, don't let it go mainly because we feel wronged in the situation and therefore we want to retaliate because we feel that we're right. And I would say in an instance like that, you are right. But sometimes, you know, are you going to be proud of yourself because you stuck it to the older woman that skipped you? Or are you just going to let it go because it has no hindrance on your joy or what it is that you're doing during the day. I'm pretty sure if we were having a bad day, we might use that as an opportunity to lash out against someone else. But I'm saying as I've gotten older, I'm starting to learn that certain things that, you know, happen, people that come into contact with you and they have a nasty attitude or their disposition is not in the place they want it to be. 
Sometimes people are looking for opportunities to lash out. You know, speaking of that, Halloween is coming around and people are up in arms about those who celebrate, you know, Halloween. And, you know, some people are out there saying that uh, if you celebrate Halloween, then you're the devil. It's a lot of talk like that out there. So I, I guess the point that I'm making is, is that knowing someone else's mindset or the way that they think will help you avoid confliction and discussions that are going to end up being pretty nasty. So sometimes you use discernment, you understand what's happening, and you avoid it. So I'm of a different mindset when it comes to this. Okay. And I feel like an injustice is an injustice. And one of the things uh, somebody in my life has had a problem with is, you know, for example, I have a coworker who wanted to take next Sunday off, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to go apple picking. And the situation was that they still got put on the schedule, even though this was mentioned two weeks prior. So it kind of reminded me of the same injustice that you faced with the old lady skipping you line. Now, this is a situation where, yes, you can let it go and you can use discernment in order to decide whether or not you want to take action on something. Because like you always say, there's inaction, there's action, and then there's when you decide to do nothing. And sometimes doing nothing is the right choice. In your case, in the grocery store, it can be the right choice. Or what people who don't like conflict, and I'm not saying this is you, who don't like conflict is, one, conflict is not something to be afraid of. But when people don't like conflict or they feel like the outcome will lead to some type of issue, instead of being bold and courageous to point out the injustice without getting nasty, uh, is is a skill and is art that I feel everybody needs to know or at least decide whether or not they want to take place in it. Now, with my coworker, right, she was afraid to let the manager or the supervisor know that they already requested the day off because they still uh, wanted to take. How do I put it? They want more hours, but for just this particular Sunday. They did have something already planned at the schedule. So rather than wanting to address it, they rather just not go apple picking and just let the, you know, just end up going to work regardless. Now, my thing is, whether it's being skipped in the grocery line or not getting a day off that you requested, I feel like you should still make it known. And it's something you should stand on. Regardless to the woman's age, regardless to if it's a supervisor or not. If there's something that you want to take place in your life or you want something to happen, or you, in this case, you even having a way to extra five minutes in the grocery store, your time is valuable. So even if it's an older lady or if it was a young lady or if it was a child, there are rules and regulations and you are entitled, you are entitled to having the ability to skip the line or to get that day off. So... I would have said something, and that's just me personally. Because if you were waiting in line, everybody has to wait their turn. If you requested a day off, you should get it. So that's just my view of things. Okay. And even if it gets, if it has to get nasty, 
you can address a problem without getting nasty and just make your statement or make your point and be done with it you know that's that's something our mother always says right yeah say what you have to say and be done with it i guess the only thing is you gotta remember too those individuals that don't like taking accountability when you are holding them accountable they resist it and therefore well, that's not my problem you know what i'm saying yeah but it's still because when, because at the end of the day if you if you take a look at the principle right if i was ahead of you in line and you skipped it they're not gonna just let that go by without reason so they have to look into the reason and when it, it kind of reminds you of a. Uh, last week right about Pilate and jesus this man has done no wrong sometimes they still will release the murderer but the thing i liked about Pilate is he he still made it known like hey this man has done no wrong i see no wrong that he's done if you guys still want us to release the murderer fine but he made a stand he made his, he made a statement and he stood on it And this is the thing that I didn't like about Pilot last week was I felt like he was a coward because I think the thing that this is kind of just moving the goalposts a little bit. The thing that makes a good leader or an effective leader is sometimes you have to make that decision that's not favorable to what everybody else may want. And when it comes to doing the right thing, even if the people will turn against you, you have to make that stand to make the right call, to make the right decision. And the right decision would have been, regardless to what the people may be saying, and that they don't want to deal with a murderer, blah blah blah, or that they want the murder released. If you found no wrongdoing, he should have stood. He should have stood on that. Hmm. And we could have prevented, you know, even though it was prophecy and was going to happen regardless. Um, it could have been a situation where it's like if this man didn't fall for the peer pressure of the, of, of the people or the influence of the people. Even if he turns out uh, getting murdered, I, I always believe death before dishonor. I'd rather stand on the fact that I made the right decision than to not make it. Okay. Yeah, what I was going to say is that sometimes by holding somebody else accountable, this still is seen as created. So even though you said what you said is done and over with, the scene that gets created, everyone still sees it, whether or not they are aware of the truth that has taken place or not, right? The scene is still created, people are still questioning and wondering what transpired, and it's still open for interpretation. So I was just going to say, sometimes understanding that a person doesn't want to take accountability is knowing that they're going to fight you, whether or not you were right or wrong. So. I guess for me, in an instance like that, depending on the maturity of the person that I'm dealing with, will dictate whether or not, you know, that conversation could be had in a way where we can go our opposite directions and there's no extreme conflict left behind, or you're going to get into a shouting match or a disagreement where everyone's going to be previewed to what was discussed. But yeah, that's why I said, you know, everything that's, that's else you my said, stance though, on it, though. Let it, let it go. Either you can let it go or go through that fire. And nine times out of ten, I encourage people to go through that fire. Okay. So, so seems as bit, difference of opinion. seems as though you had quite a bit to say. So, you know, you're more than welcome at any point to express what it is that you want to say moving forward, even in this conversation and 
many more. Right? Of course. Okay. So, so we're going to jump right into board. prayer and then we're going to have a conversation for today. Oh, excuse me, by the way. Voice a little raspy. Been getting over my allergies. Just letting you know, just in case if you're having a hard time hearing me or I don't sound as I usually do. Okay. So let's jump right into prayer. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you're a God that knows our past, our present, and our future aspirations. There is nothing we could ever hide from you, O oh God, because you are all-knowing. Lord, something that we want to encourage more of is loving one another. In First John, you told us, dear children, let us not love with words of speech, but in action and in truth. In another translation, you told us, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love, which means let us show the truth by our actions. The best example of that, Lord, is when you went to wash your disciples' feet. Lord, the last commandment that you gave us in that text, in that setting, was clear. Love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love for one another, it's the love of one another. Lord, because there is no better example than you, we pray that people will be blessed today as we unpack more about what you did. Lord, bless all eyes to see, all ears to hear, all hearts to receive, and all minds to understand. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Let us learn from you, O God. Your name is above all names. Therefore, all in agreement, say amen. Amen. So our conversation for today is quite simple, right? It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the best example. And in fact, he's the only perfect example that we have, right? So quickly, if we go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, what's it say, Daniel? Well, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. So yeah, so the truth of the matter is sometimes the best message and conversations are not the lengthy ones, it's actually the shorter ones because you'll start to realize that the scripture, whether it's one verse or it's a few verses or even if it's a chapter, can speak volumes to you and your predicament better than a deep message can. Right. Sometimes your spirit doesn't need much. Right. God's word can be complex, but it also could be straightforward to the point sometimes as well. Right. It just has to speak to your situation and boom, it can resonate with you in such a way that it's profound or by itself. It's also important that we reflect and pray because I believe our hearts will hear from God easily because one, we're open two, we are devoted and three. We're ready to receive. So I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's important that we that we reflect and pray because I believe our hearts will be able to easily hear from God if we are open, devoted, and ready to receive. That's what I really believe about praying and reflecting and allowing God to speak to us in those moments. Now, before we go to our text for today, I want to do a review, right? And there are many reasons 
that we've talked about why Jesus appeared. And two of them we have shared on this podcast, right? Both coming out of the book of 1 John, right? It's important that we go over them again. So let's do that. So the first one is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. And we're going to look at this in the English Standard Version. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, so that's the first reason, right? This is scripture-based, right? Now, let's go to, again, 1 John. And we're going to look at chapter 5, verse 20. Daniel? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. And his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. All right, great job. So today we are going to talk about Jesus, his humanity, and we're going to talk about how he expressed two characteristics, right? His humility and his compassion, right? We're going to talk about Jesus Christ and his humanity, and we're going to talk about two characteristics that he expressed, his humility and his compassion, right? And we're going to do this out of the Gospel of Luke. We're coming down to a close with it, but there's still much we can gather and we can learn from. And this is one of those things. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 26 to 31. And we're going to look at this in the New Living Translation, the NLT. Daniel? As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Santeree, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortune, indeed, are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have, have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? So first thing you'll notice about the beginning of this passage is the introduction of someone new, Simon, right? First time we are hearing about Simon. Now think about what has happened so far up until this point, right? Jesus has been suffering immensely by being tortured, and now he has the job of carrying his cross. So from a historical perspective, right, I did some research. And in 1870, a French architect by the name of Charles Ronhart determined that the weight of the cross that Jesus had to carry on his way to the place of execution was about 165 pounds. Now, I believe the full cross was 300 pounds, but the portion that he was carrying was 165 pounds. Now, in my humble opinion, 165 pounds of anything is heavy. Now, let's also be clear about something else. Having to lift that amount of weight under, yeah, under healthy circumstances is a challenge, right? Now, consider what kind of shape Jesus was in. So now we're going to also point out some more historical things we also took the time and did some research on. Daniel? Historians say that Jesus was whipped with a leather whip with tiny balls of iron that caused internal injuries and bones tore apart along with flesh, exposing skeletal muscles and causing major blood loss, which probably left him in a pre-collision state. So 
first thing that we did when we looked at that is we wanted to know what in the world is a pre-collision state. And we did the research and we realized that the language that was used here doesn't actually have a direct definition. However, after reading up on pre-collision, we can deduce this, right? So imagine being hit by a car with full force. I would, of course, go flying in the air and eventually have to land and most likely break a good bit of bones in my body. Or how about someone pushing you off a building and landing on a vehicle? You would have to say that in both those instances, right, you're going to need some medical attention. Unfortunately, Jesus didn't get that. So imagine you getting hit by a car or pushed off a building and then being told, oh, nah, medical attention. Nope, you're good. You're not going to get that. Now visualize the condition that Jesus was in. I mean, really imagine it, right? The severe pain Jesus was in it. Now he's being told to go carry a 165-pound cross. So think about it, right? Jesus was crucified outside the city walls, probably outside the northern wall, several hundred meters from the temple, and perhaps 600 meters from Herod's place, right? The total distance from there to the the crucifixion was about one and a half kilometers, which is 0.932 miles, okay? So it's not a mile, but then again, in the condition that Jesus was in, I can imagine that would have been rough to have to deal with that. Keep also in mind that this was a mission that Jesus had, right? Something that isn't mentioned in 1 John, but is also what is actually mentioned in Isaiah and several other points is that Jesus, as an innocent man, will come to die for our sins, right? That's biblical. Caiaphas also prophesies about there will be a man that won't just die for one nation, but die for everyone. Okay, so understand this was a mission that Jesus had to do to complete, right? To take the sins of the world, me and yours, to the cross, die for it, so that in him we may have eternal life. Now, as a side note, when it comes to the crucifixion, right? The best movie produced that highlights this slow but painful death that Jesus faced was The Passion of the Christ. Right. There are some people that haven't seen it. I believe me and Daniel and my other brother saw it because our parents brought the disc and we all sat there and watched it. And it wasn't a pretty scene to watch. Do you recall that, Daniel? The fact you said this, I hope some of the younger viewers even know who we're talking about. <laughs> that yeah, was that pretty CD. tough. Yeah. Right. A CD. Yeah. Right. So funny story about that is the production of what we saw, much of it was taken out. Because from what we understood, it was a lot worse than what it was. It was a lot worse. Some of those scenes weren't put out. But the whole goal of us having to see that is so that we can understand the realistic situation in which Jesus was dying for our sins, right? He was a lamb that was sent to be slaughtered. So that image and what transpired isn't pretty. But it's symbolic so that we understand that, you know, we came at a cost. Jesus paid for that cost, right? We were brought out at a price. Jesus paid for it. 
So we have to understand that. Now, before we go any further, let's define, you know, before we go any further into breaking down the text, it's important that we define humility, right? So, Daniel, what is humility? Humility means freedom from pride or arrogance. So, very good. So, how was Jesus showing humility in this text? Well, instead of trying to act like he could do it alone, the behavior some of us can exhibit from time to time, Jesus took the help from Simon. Now, Simon, of course, was forced to help Jesus, and Jesus used the opportunity to do something else, which we will get into. But there's something important that we have to understand. Jesus was not prideful. There was no pride. Jesus understood the condition he was in, and he didn't turn down the help. Now, remember, based upon the punishment he received, he lost a lot of blood, and the pain that he was dealing with was harsh. But through all the pain and suffering, Jesus didn't lose any common sense. Through it all, Jesus is still teaching us a master class for humble ability. Right? So you see the human side of God, which is what Jesus experienced, right? That all humans at some point are going to experience emotional pain. What we're seeing here is that Jesus was dealing with physical pain, and through it all, he still had us in mind. Here's another thing we have to consider as well, right? He gave us an example here, and that example is that it's okay to get help. Yes, the Son of God received some help on his way to Calvary to die for our sins. Let's not forget, as a human, he was tempted, right? One of the, the first verse we read today, Hebrews 4.15, right? He was tempted like us. He grew and matured like us. So to trust and believe in him, I think is important, something that we should do, right? We also have to understand is that he knew every little emotion and stress that we have ever experienced as human beings. Therefore, I think it's well questioned that Jesus came down here not only to share the truth, but also empathize and understand what it's like to be human, right? By going through the process of developing and growing and maturing. Now, what makes this also very important and unique is that God was also a man. So part God, part human, very unique. Right? He came in the flesh. He came down here. He felt all the human emotions and he went through it personally. Right? That's why I don't see the problem in putting our faith in Christ because he's the one who went through all the all that there is to go through. And guess what? He didn't sin. And he wasn't found guilty of sin. That's amazing. Now I don't want you to miss this either while showing the humility Jesus goes to, right? He also was compassionate. So, Daniel, can you reread verses 28 through 31, this portion of the text? A large crowd trailed behind him, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, 
and the breast that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills to bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? So understand, instead of Jesus resting, he goes to show compassion for the woman. Now there's a reason we must talk about this, right? But let's define compassion, Daniel. Compassion means to suffer to together. So what's the significance, right? Daniel said compassion means to suffer together. What's the significance of the word compassion here? Well, Jesus was showing compassion because in pain and agony, rather than resting as Simon carried the cross, Jesus goes to warn the women of what was to come. So let's understand what Jesus was warning them of, right? Psychologically, Jesus was confronted with his own pain and suffering. And in this day and age, we tend to worry about ourselves, right? Couldn't care less about people around us. Not all of us, but there are some of us that tend to do this. And one of the things that I think is important that we can learn from this is that Jesus is providing us a lesson. And that lesson is not just to think about yourself, but think about others, right? There's a passage in Philippians that tells us, don't just pray for yourself, also pray for others. So what does Jesus do here, right? He helps them out by warning them something. Now, I want us also to remember something else. Remember the first two commandments that say, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So in this portion of the text, Jesus was in pain, but that didn't stop him from telling the future events to those women who were there, even in his disposition, right? Jesus felt motivated to relieve pain that others would be subjected to by warning them, right? Understand, that's not just compassion. That's also love. In spite of his pain, he used the time that he could have been resting to inform and teach us as readers, how we ought to strive and be just like him. Okay, now we spoke a little bit about what Jesus was weeping about in episode 64, right? The making and destruction of the temple in the end times, right? So let's go back to this text. And we're going to look at Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. Again, this is all connected, right? And we're going to look at this in the NLT version. But again, the first sign that we see that of Jesus being emotional as it pertains to the future events and dealing with Jerusalem is here. So Daniel. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. So understand that Jesus spoke of a day so dreadful that the woman without children will be more blessed than those with children. Now, childlessness was usually seen as something to regret, right? Something of which to be ashamed. And we see that in the text in Genesis. We see that in the beginning, also in the, in the beginning of the Gospels, right? But Jesus is saying during this time that the women who have no children to be slaughtered 
will be more blessed than those who have to watch their children be slaughtered. Now that's deep when you consider the love women have for children that they give birth to. Jesus looked into the future and saw the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. That there would be great brutality. Almost every man and woman and child won't be spared or be wiped out. So again, Jesus tells them in verse 28 through 31 that Daniel read of Luke, right? The daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves or for your children for the days are coming. Sadly, from a historical perspective, unfortunately, the warning Jesus gave would be ignored by many Jews. And you might be saying, why? Well, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and therefore they didn't believe in what he said. Yep, even the women who were weeping for Jesus didn't believe. So after Jesus' death in 70 AD, guess what happened? Well, the Romans army circled Jerusalem, as Jesus said, and exercised vengeance, right? History records that 1.1 million Jews were killed and another 97,000 were taken captive in one of the worst calamities ever to strike the Jewish people. Jesus warned them to avoid it, and many just didn't, right? Now, the Christians in Jerusalem who knew what Jesus said actually obeyed him and fled across the Jordan River. So, what is my conclusion of this passage from Luke 23, verses 26 to 31? Well, Jesus showed us that there is nothing wrong with showing humility. No need to be arrogant or prideful if you are offered help. Don't let pride get in the way. Take it. Understand you're a human, right? You get tired. You get overwhelmed. Receiving help is okay. Even Jesus Christ, our Lord, got help. You don't have to do it all by yourself. I also wonder, you know, if Simon later learned who he was helping, right? That it was God in the flesh. I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? Do you think Simon ever seeked out who he assisted? Um, I think he had an idea afterwards, right? I don't know. Pastors never said anything. When I did some historical research, it never said much of anything either. I wondered if he would become a believer. Will he actually be in heaven alone based upon him helping Jesus, right? Now, we know next week we'll be talking about the thief on the cross, right? And we know based upon that, he placed his faith in Christ. And therefore, Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. I always wondered. I know Simon helped Jesus, but does Simon get a opportunity to go to heaven just based on the fact of helping jesus is that a good reason besides everything else i don't know well he wouldn't have got that cross up there any uh any other way so i would hope so yeah so that's interesting now lastly i learned of god's compassion right that even in his weakest point he was still thinking of people of course he had all of us in mind when he carried that cross taking all of our sins to death once and for all, taking that brutal, I mean, brutal beating for you and I, right? By his stripes, we are healed, right? Book of Isaiah, by the way. But to take the time out, right? To warn the women that there's more to come, right? There's something you have to weep about, not just about me. What's happening to me, you understand that I'm an innocent man, but I'm dying for humanity. But guess what? There's punishment to come. 
and, you know, save those tears and be vigilant and understand that you have to act accordingly. Because in your future, I see desolation, right? Now, I guess the last bit of what I will say is that, you know, Jesus taking the time out to warn the women shows that he loved them, right? And that he loves us by doing what he did. Even those who don't love him and don't believe in him. The reality is that God's love is really unconditional. And it can't be measured. So, what do you have to say for people out there who don't believe? You may not believe in this season. I don't know how long your life will be. But I do believe that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he will not forsake you. But he will be there for you every step of the way. He did it for you. He did it for me. And there is no reason why we can't take advantage of that. Anything else you want to add, Daniel, before we go to devotional time? No. So remember, Jesus in this particular text showed humility and compassion. And we can learn from that by applying that in everyday life. Right? We would never be Jesus, but we can strive to be Jesus. The perfect example that we point to. With that being said, we go right to devotional time. You may have thought that the fact that Jesus loves you will ensure you'll be spared most trials and sufferings. So when trouble came your way, you may have concluded that you messed up. Jesus' prayer before his suffering should jolt you out of such notions. I remember something that comes up in John chapter 17, verse 24. It says, you loved me before the foundation of the world. And this is something to understand that Jesus was certain that God loved him and had loved him for an eternity before creation. So even though Jesus faced a violent and painful death, he didn't doubt his father's love for him. At the start of Jesus's ministry, the father assured him and those present of his love for his son and his darkest trials jesus returned to this even if god didn't spare him from the cross jesus held fast when he knew of his father never doubt in darkness what god has shown you in the light so much of spiritual preservation depends on your remembering of how god has acted for you in the past Trust that God who was present then will be there for you in the future. So we would like to pray with this small prayer and say this. Dear Father, you loved me before I ever came to you. Improved your love by sending Jesus to die in my place. Help me never to doubt these things and to always have trust in you. And everybody in agreement say, Amen. Amen.